0: All right, welcome to episode number three of Waste Not and Feed the Need, uh, Lowe's and Fishes Family Kitchen Podcast. Uh, I'm here with my co host, David
1: Hot. David, how are you? Hello, it's good to be back. I missed you last week. However, it's nice to be here again today. And it's a wonderful opportunity to talk about what we do and what others do to support uh, the effort and and how we continue to bring in these experts. In, into our our conversation
0: thank you uh david today we have with us tracy weatherby uh tracy is with second harvest in silicon valley welcome tracy please tell us a little bit about yourself and uh you know get to know our audience and not just get to know you
2: well, thank you so much for inviting me to join you um, on one of my favorite topics, which is rescuing food and uh, feeding people. So um, uh, I am the Vice President of Strategy and Advocacy for Second Harvest of Silicon Valley, and we're the food bank for Santa Clara and San Mateo counties here in California.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much, Tracy. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh different, uh, we'll call it misconceptions or myths or things out there about how food banks work. Uh, what are the things that they do, they don't do and everything else. And so, you know, we would like to learn a little bit more and educate ourselves about, you know, how do food banks operate? Uh, you know, what are the main things that, that they're been involved for like a long, long time. And, uh, you know, maybe what are some of the things that You know, you don't do what people think you might do. So, would you mind sharing some of that with us?
2: Yeah, the food bank system is uh, really fascinating. You know, I came new to the food bank world uh, about four years ago. And one of the things that really amazes me is how cooperative this um, network is. Um, We're a Feeding America food bank and Feeding America assigns territories to food banks throughout the country. So we all uh, work cooperatively. Uh, There is no competition. We have all of these peers all across the country that we're learning from. So whether I'm doing policy work, or whether our our team is doing food sourcing, we have a whole uh, cohort of people that we can talk to about how to do our work better. And, you know, food banks are really the hub of the charitable food system. Um, We work with over 300 partners uh, who distributed groceries at over a thousand locations. And we never charge any of those partners, and they never charge any of our clients. And so it gives us this opportunity to really look at our community and work with uh, everyone who is interested uh, to really meet the need and get food to people. Um, And if you look around our two counties, because we are a conduit of some government food, because we operate at scale with regard to food rescue and because we have incredibly generous donors here in Silicon Valley, um, the majority of the food that you see distributed in the form of groceries is coming from us for, for free, even if you're seeing it distributed at a school, at a housing complex, at a community college, um, at a park. Um, you know the, the central point of that typically is the food bank.
0: Thank you. you, know, you started,
1: David. Go ahead, please jump. You mentioned such wonderful things that you're involved in. And, and I know that in the space, there's a lot of discussion around this new law, SB 1383. It's actually not new. However, it's something that we're all talking about. Can you share your experience with that and how the food bank is involved in the effort uh, supporting the SB 1383 regs?
2: Yeah, So California is really the leader in the nation in passing this law, which requires food generators to capture as much edible food as possible and donate it to food insecure people. Um, This is for us just an evolution of what food banks have always done. You know, we've been since the 1970s. uh, Food rescue has always been a key part of that. We have. You know, dozens of grocery stores and wholesalers with whom we have long term relationships and either we or our partners are picking up food from them. Last year, Second Harvest and our partners rescued 16 million pounds of food, which is enough for 13 million meals. And one of the things that we have the opportunity to do as a food bank is to help coordinate that system to make sure that food gets picked up as close as possible to where it is. So we're not generating a lot of greenhouse gases driving long distances Um, and also to ensure that the food is getting to the communities who most need it. So for instance, a donor may come to us uh, and maybe they are an Asian grocery store. Our food sourcing team will look around at our partner list, who's nearby, and who also is serving a large Asian population who might really appreciate that appropriate cultural food. So that's a that's a big piece of what we do around
1: 1383. So awesome. I'm just psyched because the amount of effort that you put into it and you are such a wonderful connector to those like us at Loaves and Fishes that we're able to glean off of the, the relationships you've created. And we're able to receive some of that wonderful food that we can also distribute out to the community through our a la carte program. So I say thank you from the heart. It's a wonderful relationship and, and we're just so grateful for that. Um, so, absolutely,
2: anywho. David. There is there is uh, no way that we could do what we do at the scale we do it without um, key partners like you. And um, you know, I know we work together some on groceries, but. Your organization also does something that is something that we don't focus on, which is more of the meals rescue, which is going to become an even bigger part of 1383 uh, just in a couple of years. And your organization has been such a leader in figuring out how to safely rescue that food and how to get it to the into the hands of community members who need it
1: and it's such a wonderful gift to be able to do that for sure. You know, we as an operation can take that prepared food and package it safely and 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 provide that directly to the communities that we support and you know, that's something that I'm very passionate about for sure. I'd rather keep it out of the landfill and let it turn to methane, put it into a container and and hand it out to the community in need and We're able to do that, and we're so honored and and privileged to have the ability and capability and capacity to continue to grow that aspect of our our organization. So, again, thank you for all that you do to help to support us. Mauricio? Uh,
0: Talking about the prepare meal uh, rescue, I think food recovery well, I know food recovery has uh, evolved throughout the years. I mean, many, many years ago, it was sold dry goods, kind of like cereal boxes and pasta and some canned food and things like that, right? That was the original uh, uh, pantry, right? Food uh, uh, food recover uh, process. And then uh, a few years ago, it changed to where, okay, there was an emphasis on uh, fruits and vegetables and, and healthier foods, not saying the little ones are unhealthy, but a, a different variety of foods. And uh, and now we're moving into these uncharted waters as it comes to prepare meals, which there's been a lot of that being done already throughout the years, but it's evolving and changing. So with kind of that comment, crazy I mean, what is it that uh, you know you, you foresee that that food banks, uh, I mean, we understand Second Harvest uh, is not uh, involved on that and probably will not be overly involved on it, uh, uh, but there's a few food banks that I heard that they've done some. What is your thoughts on how that evolution uh, will change food banks or modify some of the things that they do.
2: Well, I think it depends very much because while we are this uh, network of food banks, everyone is dealing with a different environment, a different situation, a different set of partners. You know, we we talk to food banks who are primarily rural or are working uh, primarily with Native American reservations. There are food banks that have their own commercial kitchens and do provide meals and provide uh, meals under federal programs like summer meals. But we are fortunate in our geography to have lots of partners who already do that really well. We don't need a commercial kitchen. Um, We have partners like you who really specialize in that. And so one of the things that we do is try to really spend our energies where we have the scale and the expertise to help. So for instance, we provide you with some of the food that you make into meals. Uh, We would certainly refer people to you who are interested in uh, meals rescue programs. But where we spend a, a large majority of our time is on groceries and that's still an untapped area in a lot of cases, there are organizations that have been donating to um, food banks and their partners for years and years and others that just have not uh, chosen to do it yet. And this new law is forcing people to really take a hard look and realize that they need to figure out how to do it. So our food sourcing team is uh, continuing to get a lot more inquiries. And the way we handle that is that we try and figure out First off, what is already going on at that food generator? In some cases, there are informal relationships that already exist. And if that informal um, food recovery organization is a nonprofit and is willing to be trained in our food safety methods and can make a real commitment to a a pickup schedule, we'll try and work with the people who are already there, Um, because if they're already good at collecting that food and getting it to people who need it, that's what we'd like to do. If it's a situation where there's not someone who can uh, recover the the amount of food that needs to be recovered safely. Then we start to look at our partner network and figure out who might be a good fit. Once we've figured out someone who has some capacity, uh, part of what we do is we provide the infrastructure that they need to do this in many cases, whether it scales to weigh the donations. Uh, thermal blankets to ensure that food stays cold, thermometers so that food can be checked for temperature before we accept a donation. And we so we do a lot of food safety training of, of the volunteers and staff members who pick up the food. And then lastly, we um, do all of the reporting on the food. We have an application through Feeding America that allows us to log those donations. And so we can take the burden of all of that reporting off of the individual food recovery organizations. Thank you.
1: uh... I think, you know, with all of that activity (laughs) that you described, can you tell tell us a bit about how all of that activity is funded? Because that's in addition to what you normally do to help to support those many uh, community-based organizations. How do you find the funding to to help to add value to what you're already doing through the food recovery programs that you help to coordinate.
2: Well, like with everything else at the food bank, the majority of our funding comes from individual donors. It's upwards of 70, 75 percent of our funding comes from individual donors about 12% comes from corporations. Um, Our government funding is actually very small in general. And the way we look at grocery rescue is that it is just another food source. So it is funded primarily out of our general operating funds, whatever donations we get. We don't get specific donations to do it. Um, We've always had infrastructure funds available for our agencies. I think there's for food rescue, that is not our experience. Um, we have had uh, access to a couple of grants around infrastructure we applied for and received a Cal Recycle grant uh, for a large tractor trailer for one of the, for us to service some of the very large donors that our agencies can't, um, can't accommodate. And we just got a Feeding America grant, which is going to allow us to hire one more person to create these partnerships with all of our different agencies in order to set up more of these relationships. And will also give us a little bit of infrastructure funding so that we can purchase, for instance, some refrigerated vans for some of these partners so they can do that work.
1: Thank you, Um, because you're right. There is, I don't wanna call it noise. However, there are a lot of differing opinions that are out there about those funding sources and, like we do at Loaves and Fishes, we also use our operating budget to support our food recovery uh, efforts, and it, it it's so true that I think that, as you know, in our hope with communicating, we'll call them our our facts about what's truly happening within the the area that we're focusing on. I'm hopeful that. Many more can continue the dialogue and talk about how do we help to sustain these wonderful efforts that have begun? How do we continue to keep these heading in the appropriate direction, supporting not only SB 1383, but also the food recovery e- efforts as a whole? So thank you so much for that. You, you, thank you for the clarification. Mauricio? Yeah,
2: you
1: know, I'm sorry. I'm I mean, sorry. That Go that ahead. Up,
0: that
2: no, the, no, I was just going to say it is a really interesting. Uh, uh, conversation, um, because I think there are. Are you still there, Mauricio? Yeah, you froze up. Okay, I'll start
0: over. Go ahead. Yeah, I, uh, it seems that yeah, I'm trying to figure out why I slowed down a little bit, but keep going. I can hear you guys. <laughs>
2: um, it is a really interesting conversation. It does. Uh, make sense at some level that people who need food recovered, you know, maybe would somehow pay for that service or there would be a fee for service. And maybe someday there will be, but um, our experience is that uh, food recovery is a little bit, um, it's hard to predict. It's hard to know how much there is. It's hard to um, figure out um, when people are going to be able to reduce their usage. Frankly, it's hard for food recovery organizations to count on, right? You don't know on any given day are you going to come in and there's a pallet of produce, or is it primarily some meat, or is it dry goods this time? So, you know, it really requires people being very flexible and having a wide variety of ways to get that food out. Um, we do receive um, kind of referrals from Feeding America. Some of the large chains will go to Feeding America and we will say, We want to work with food banks. How do we do that? And so Feeding America will contact food banks and say, "Okay, this large organization wants to set up food recovery uh, relationships. Can you work with them? We don't get money for any of that. It's really just a logistical situation where the the uh, larger organization feels comfortable that Feeding America has a process and that's gonna help them do things on a nationwide basis. So then we work at the local level, we partner people up with our partners or if they're large enough, we may pick up ourselves, Um, but it isn't um, something that has a money flow. I think you've probably seen too though, what we have seen occasionally happen, although it's not a formal part of the relationship, is as you build those longer term relationships those organizations when it comes to donation time for their corporation may think now here's a worthy organization we know the good they're doing and look at how they're helping us so and I thank you second harvest. Sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> i think we have sometimes seen donations but it's not a situation where it's been tied to you will pick up five days a week and then we're going to give you this this big donation um at least not to date um you know i think it's going to be interesting to see how all of this evolves over the next few years, how much food uh, rescue there is once uh, the, the spotlight is shown on uh, how much waste there can be. Often these relationships help these food generators reduce what they're donating because it's making more visible to them what they're wasting. And so, you know, these the amount of food that needs to be rescued may go up and down over time. We saw huge changes during the pandemic and whenever the supply chains get out of whack, our donations will either go way up or they'll go way <laughs> down and it's completely unpredictable of uh, what is actually gonna happen. But you know, when the supply chains get out of whack, something's gonna change.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, that's what I find exciting about this space, right? I'm sorry. And Mauricio I'll shut up soon. I promise. The, the That's what I find so exciting about this space is because you really do have to really work at balancing the need with what you can actually receive and depend upon as far as a food source. And we're fortunate that we have our prepared meals that we can supplement with. So if we establish a route and we establish the need or the the help in supporting the need, we can supplement, right? And so we're one of the fortune, fortunate few. Um, so very good points. And it's an exciting time to be involved in food recovery for sure. Um, so Mauricio, now I'll be quiet, I'll butt my leg. <laughs> uh,
0: so, <laughs> this is so good. Uh, I, I know this is a passionate topic for all of us because of what we do. And really it's not, I mean, at the end it's not about the food we recover. It's about the people that we help with it, right? And, and that's really what we're doing here: is finding different ways to to feed all those folks that need it, and and as the process, saving the environment, which is what David wants to do uh, with everything we do. And uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, hippie
1: with yeah. short hair. That's yeah. what I am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but you know, what you, you mentioned earlier, Space is one of those things that it, it comes up. It came up a lot. And uh, the the misconception that uh, the Target contracts, the Costco contracts, the oldest with feed in America have all this money attached and the food banks are keeping it and they're not giving anybody any money. So thank you for clarifying that part. But that's something that I think we need to kind of educate folks out there that there's not as much money as they think there is um, on some of this. And yes, uh, ASB 1383 has store comments, They have a lot of great things to it. Yeah, there's no funding sources except for... Uh, the uh, uh, fees for uh, holders and so forth. Uh, so, you know, we have to educate the uh, food producers and other folks to why they need to help us and provide uh, funding for nonprofits uh, like ourselves and, and the food banks and anybody else because, you know, we need to do this. And their reliance on volunteers is, is really another mess that we can go and talk about for about an hour or two or three. Uh, yes, there's times <laughs> and places where for, for volunteers. Have their space, have their uh, uh, their their fit, but not enough for everything, right? You can't have a volunteer come in and, and drive that practice trailer you were talking about earlier, or drive our uh, you know hundred thousand dollar truck uh, because that's what a converted van with all the equipment that we put on it, so we can transport that food uh, safely, cost. So you know, it requires some training, and all things, just liability and so forth, right? Just like a in normal, uh, just like a normal. A uh, uh, business app, right? So, thank you very much for clarifying that part. It's something that I think we're gonna need to continue hammering away and uh, and share with folks uh, on it. I mean, uh, I you know, I don't really have any other questions because you answered everything we were, we were we wanted to touch here. Is there anything else, Tracy, you wanna share with us that? Maybe the folks need to know about what's going on with uh, uh, ways to get involved with food recovery or with a food bank or their their local soup kitchen for that matter. Uh, any words of advice to, to our audience So how to locally get involved? I mean, hopefully we'll have audience uh, throughout the United States and not only in the Bay Area, but uh, any way that they can get involved. What, what is your suggestion? Uh,
2: volunteer, volunteer, volunteer. Uh, <laughs> donate, donate, donate. Um, and donate money to these organizations because they can make it go a lot further than you can at the grocery store. So I know people often like to like bring food to the food bank. The truth is that we have these great food sourcing organizations and we can buy, you know, more for that dollar that people contribute. But also, you know, I think that uh, while you, you point out Mauricio, we, we are, a large organization many of our partners are substantial organizations with substantial staff and no we cannot let um, volunteers drive the tractor trailers or even the forklifts um, but uh, there is a huge role for volunteers. Um, we do have volunteers who do home delivery for us. Uh, I know a lot of our agencies do have um, volunteers who maybe do some of the smaller food rescue pickups. You know they need to be trained. They need to be consistent. They need to be willing to come you know every week, week after week. But if you have that kind of time, it is of such value and it really makes a, a really huge difference.
1: Thank you. I Thank you it. so much. Thank you so much for your time and for the information. And I'm really happy that we could, you know, Mauricio and I are going to learn as we go, as it relates to our experience with providing to the public more information. Um, it's people like you that set aside the time to help us to communicate to those who want to be part of this movement of of food recovery and movement of the support of SP 1383 that we're really trying to educate and keep, get involved. And so again, I say, thank you. Thank you for all that you and your organization do for us. It's, it's much appreciated.
2: Well, the thanks goes right back at you because it none of it happens without you. So
0: thank you, Tracy. And if, uh, our listeners want to get involved with the food bank. What is the best way for them to, uh, To reach you? Uh,
2: uh, Our website is fantastic www.shfb.org, or just Google Second Harvest of Silicon Valley, and you can go to our volunteer calendar right there. um, And that will you can volunteer at the food bank or at many of our partner sites. Um, and you can also um, figure out how to start, for instance, a virtual food drive. Um, so we we welcome people all the time and we also do a lot in advocacy and we're starting to amp that up. So we're gonna hopefully have some some policy work that people can focus on as well. Awesome,
0: thank you very much. Well, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time and being here with us to share a wonderful story about all the great things that Second Harvest and Silicon Valley does for our community in the Bay Area. and. Uh, to our audience, until next time, ciao.
1: And and Mauricio, one more. Thank you so much to Cal EPA for providing the funding to help us to continue to move forward this conversation. We thank you so much for what you're doing for the community at large. I just needed to make sure I added that. Thank you, Mauricio. <laughs> and now I'll say ciao. <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm so Can excited. I add a couple yes, of? comments yeah, I assume you're editing later. So I thought of yes. a couple of things I might want to say that um, didn't fit in the flow of the conversation. Yeah. When you mentioned the um you know how you have meals to do it with. I think it's important to make that point about why our partners are such a good place for food rescue too. So do you mind if I Kay. talk about that for a moment? No, go
0: Definitely. ahead and do that and now what we'll, we'll do is we'll cut that in and uh, put it inside. So go ahead, Tracy.
2: Yeah, if it if it fits, yeah. if you think yeah. it yeah. Um So as Mauricio mentioned, it makes a huge difference when you have some existing food that you're combining with food rescue, we find the same thing in groceries because what the food bank tries to provide is 50% fresh produce. We try to provide milk, eggs, Uh, frozen meat and rice and beans. And then Mm. what food rescue does is in some cases it provides those items, but very often what it's doing is providing a lot of variety. And so it gives people access to foods they might not otherwise be getting in our standard assortment. And people are so appreciative of getting something different once in a while, something they might not normally um, buy, but it always works really well if it can be combined with an existing distribution because if you're just doing handing out grocery rescue. Sometimes it's super random, right? It might be a lot of bakery <laughs> and a you know, a box of cereal and you know, a head of lettuce, right? It's like not a meal. It doesn't, it doesn't add up quite right. So that's why it's really nice to have a lot of these groceries rescued by people who have access to other foods so they can bring that variety to the assortment.
0: That is a great point, Crazy. Thank you. Yeah. I, I didn't, you know, you're right. I totally forgot to mention that earlier. So thank you. For <laughs> I, d- I
2: did too. <laughs> um, and then I was also going to say that um, if there are organizations in the Silicon Valley that are listening, that are nonprofits that would like to be involved in food rescue, um, they can contact the food bank and we'd be happy to take a look at whether there's a good fit um, for their abilities to rescue and with, with opportunities that may come up for, um, for our, uh, with our food generators locally. So we we hope to work with a whole variety of folks.
0: That is- Thank, thank you, you, Tracy. Very much. Yeah, thank you, Tracy. Thank you everybody again. Uh, appreciate it, uh, taking the time and- uh,